0: Welcome to Slumber Party Cinema Club, a podcast from movies that you've seen a thousand times and the silly and serious conversations they start. I'm one of your hosts, Kate. And I'm your other host, Katie. And we have a great show. I am like busting at my seams to talk about the movie we're going to talk about today because it's definitely in my top 10 favorite movies of all time.
1: Yeah, and I it was my first time watching it this week. I had never seen it before. Yeah. Oh,
0: and I love getting people into this movie because I feel like... So many people know it exists, but they don't know what it is. Ah, and anyway. yeah, maybe, how are you doing?
1: Um, I'm <laughs> doing, doing pretty business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Um, I started reading a new book that I'm really excited about. I was going to say I feel like you and I were texting about this 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 morning. I feel like we should do a little book talk because I want to hear more about what you've been reading because it's very unique for you. Um, but I've I started reading this new book called uh, Butcher and Blackbird. Mm. And it, it is a serial killer romance, if you will. A little, if, a little Hannibal. if you will. You must because that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> a little Hannibal, a little well, uh, Hannibal, a little Dexter. Okay, okay. I there are lots of trigger warnings at the beginning of the oh, book, goodness. which made me giggle. Um, I'm I'm not too far into it. It is definitely like I'm less than 20 pages. I literally like just just started it, but it is pretty gory. I've already worn some reading friends away from it because I'm like, you know what? I know that you like thrillers and I know you like romance, but this is already like horror movie levels gory. So Ooh. maybe not, but I'm excited. You know,
0: I, I do have those books that I I have solidified my mind because they the gore got to me um, mm-hmm. one of them is Sharper Objects or Sharp Objects not Sharper Objects, Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, mm-hmm. Broken Girl um, they made it into a, a miniseries and I remember being like I want to see this but I also know I almost got sick reading the book at one point um, because a character is very very high on drugs and trips off the curb and snaps an ankle and yeah description of that just had me i was on a train and there was no escape i had to put the book down and like hope i wasn't gonna pass out um because she was just but like the writing i i still wow like those are words on a page
1: (laughs) yeah that's how i felt when i was reading i think it was red dragon like the thomas harris book which is like Mm -hmm. the book or the events before like hannibal and silence of the lambs yeah i was like getting like squeamish and I don't usually during movies not all the time um but yeah what are you reading right now Kate <laughs> yeah I knew I knew this was gonna come up so uh, <laughs> I
0: finished reading a sci-fi epic call not epic a sci-fi book um called Persephone Station by Stina Like or Light um and I had 50 pages to go last night I finished them and I was still like, I still had energy. And my sister's been on me. She let me take her copy because she said it was too spicy for her tastes. But um, there's a book <laughs> called Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. And I am not a romance reader uh, with the the few exceptions. I have read romance before. I don't want anyone to think I've never read romance before. I have read Katie's romance book. Mm-hmm. I have read The X hex mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, those two. I've read those two. Uh, I'm sure there's more that would would come to mind. Um, But those are the the two capital R romance books that I can think of. Um, This one is also capital R romance, but it's also capital S smut. Um, And so (laughs) I picked it up last night. I was like, "Ah, I'll just read a couple of chapters, see what what I think. 130 pages later, uh, I realized Mm -hmm. I should probably go to sleep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super dirty. It's an exhibitionist kink, um, you know, woven throughout. It's a business deal uh, between two people, essentially, that turns into romance. Um, it's like a modern day Perse- 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 Mercedes,
1: Mercedes, and- <laughs> Persephone, that port- that's their portmanteau. Is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, Persephone and Hades. Perse. Yeah, Perseides.
0: Um, it's it's a (laughs) retelling of Persephone versus you know and Hades. Um and it's really it's interesting because what Katie Roberts has done, she's read she's written multiple books in this universe. And yes, I did look those up this morning. Mm -hmm. And they're They're popular. Maybe I should pick them up. Um, But it's this like neorealistic, you know, city is divided into the upper city is ruled by the 13, um, which are, you know, the gods of Olympus. And they're not gods per se, but they're people who take on those personas. Um, And of course, Zeus is a real asshole. Um, And then (laughs) there's Hades, who is sort of banished to the lower city uh, where he protects his people. And it's really not that bad a place to live. Uh, (laughs) And so... (laughs) Um, yeah it's it's an it's an interesting experience uh I like it's mm-hmm. a quick read I, I've, I've flown through a lot of the pages there's some characters like I love Hermes um the characterization of Hermes in this book is just really really good um and I'll also point out that it's one of the first writers I've noticed really doing this where when she introduces a character she says what their race is right away and it doesn't matter what whether they're white black Mm-hmm. X, etc. Um, they the, the the characterization is always included. So instead of you know, very often we read white writers who mm-hmm. only mention the race of a character when it's a black person um, in this book, or, or a non-white person even. Um, but in this book, uh, it's clear uh, on every single character. So just a you know, shout out to Katie Roberts. Good job.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something I've noticed with a lot of romance offered authors over the past couple years is that they will note the race of a character and not just, mm-hmm. you know, white's the default. So unless they're not white, we don't tell you, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think romance is cool that way. And I think romance a lot of the time, like as a genre, is ahead of the game when it comes to like, uh, what I'll say, like, uh, correcting, I guess how we used to write and read and mm-hmm. do things, correcting,
0: improving. redirecting,
1: improving. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it's it's good seeing a writer doing that, and it reminds me that I've got to do that in my own work. Um, yeah, same. I, I've been I've been a lot more conscious of it, especially working on the book I'm working on right now. But yeah, so uh, you know what, I I, I I'm probably going to finish this book tonight. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's it's super salty, like super spicy. My sister was like, ah, it's a little too much even for me. And I'm just like, nope, nope, bring it on. This is the kind of thing I like to read.
1: <laughs> maybe Maybe I'll have to pick that one up because I know it's a popular book series. I know she's a popular author. I see her on Bookstagram all the time. I read another one of her books called Court of the Vampire Queen. Mm. And I had a good time with it, but I also, it didn't make me want to, buy more necessarily there were just like some I like and I never say things are necessarily like badly written or whatever I always just like to say it's not for me like there were some aspects of the story that the big one was kind of like an of the insta-love thing between the characters I'm not a big fan of that
0: yeah you're not gonna like this one then it is very much insta-love yeah but, but in the guise of we need to do this to like Make this business deal happen, yeah. Uh, between the two of us, so there's a little bit of like pressure, like they have to do it pretty quick. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're, they're, the the insta love is is pretty pretty present in this one. Just gotcha.
1: It. I mean that that's not necessarily a direct turn off for me, but in Court of the Vampire Queen, it had me kind of like I was rolling with it, but I wasn't loving it, I guess. But that one is like a it's known as a reverse harem Mm, mm -hmm. i like i kept seeing in my head like kind of underworldly, like the movie underworld you know yeah with um uh, payback and sell payback and sell yeah love those movies and then like and it was also like it was kind of violent so i don't know i was down with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely violence probably on the horizon in the story um (laughs) I will say I, she's, a, she's a great world builder mm-hmm. she knows her mythology
1: yeah I agree um,
0: so so she's good but it, there was like one part I laughed out loud because it was it was perfect timing and at the end of the page just before I'm about to turn the page is when Hades is telling Persephone she needs to figure out a safe word and I'm reading <laughs> this line I'm like safe word's gonna be pomegranate just know it safe word's gonna be pomegranate turn the page Um, I don't know I guess
1: pomegranate oh my god <laughs> Well, isn't the universal safe word banana?
0: Uh pineapple, I thought. Or
1: pineapple. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a fruit. <laughs> something something you would
0: never say in bed. Banana, yeah. there's still a phallic connotation to banana, so I
1: guess. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But yeah, my I get I get into like Hades Persephone stories and like retellings. I used to read a lot of like fan fiction. Oh, wow. um, but my current favorite is the comic uh, Lore Olympus. Mm, okay, yeah, I've heard of that. I love it so much. Um, you, can, you can buy it in print form. The art is beautiful. Or you can read it uh, for free on Webtoon, which is an app on your phone. If Nobody knows what that is. And you just basically can scroll through a comic and it's mm-hmm. great. I love it so much. It's coming to an end this year, too. It's been going on for, I don't know, like four years, something like that. Oh. So this year, the story will finally be wrapping up. And I think I forget the last thing I it was supposed to get like a Netflix show. Um, and I'm trying to think of the last thing I read about it. But I don't remember if that's still happening or if it fell through again.
0: But mm-hmm. Well, you never know with with all the fallout of strike and projects that have gotten moved and
1: all that Mm yeah but that has been a book hour with katie and kate Um, (laughs) on to today's movie on to
0: today's movie so as we mentioned uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time i think i saw it when i was in middle school Mm -hmm. um i will tell you that it's old enough that instead of having a rating it simply has a stamp on it says it passed
1: I noticed that
0: because <laughs> um, this was 1959 and we didn't have a rating system. It was just them saying, yes, we've deemed this, the, we meaning the Catholic church run uh, organization <laughs> that is um, the precursor to the MPAA. We have said that this is a, a movie that people can go see.
1: The Hays Code. (laughs) The Hays
0: Code, which, I mean, they did a lot of tricks to get around that Hays Code, like Alfred Hitchcock was famous for, even though he's not Mm -hmm. the director on this. That's a red herring. Um, But they also, I mean, like, this had to push the limit. This had, in 1959, this had to be, ooh, just a little
1: edgy. Yeah. But I will say... um, if you've seen the movie White Chicks, you would definitely love this movie <laughs> because it is definitely a precursor to the movie White Chicks.
0: And and the movie we're talking about today is Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot, uh, starring Jo, uh, Jack Lemmon. I almost said Joni,
1: Joni Lamont.
0: Joni Kerman, Uh, that's the portmanteau (laughs) for Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon and
1: uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, this was um, my first Marilyn Monroe movie I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. And apparently it's heralded as her best. It's definitely one of the
0: ones that's considered by mainstream to be her best film and not um, necessarily because of her performance but because of the movie itself.
1: Yeah. I also I always think of this movie because there's a line in the movie Clueless where Cher is talking about uh Christian's coming over and he's bringing some movies over and she says he's bringing some like it hot and sporadicus. <laughs> Spartacus? And yeah, Spartacus, but she <laughs> says sporadicus, which cracks me up every time. <laughs> but she says like oh christian's a big tony curtis fan which is like these are supposed to be all allusions to the fact that christian the character is gay He's and share yes. is just missing every sign but yeah i also i like billy wilder as a director he directed one of my other favorite movies uh sabrina with audrey hepburn humphrey bogart and mm-hmm. william holden uh, yeah, and then Billy he-
0: Wilder was prolific. He also did The Apartment. He did Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, he did another movie, uh, Double Indemnity, which is a great noir film. Um, yeah, he's he's prolific. He's like one of the one of the all time greats in cinema, American cinema.
1: Mm-hmm. And this I know this movie like is a big part of sort of the queer film zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm um but would you like to tell us what the movie is about Kate give us a little absolutely plot synop a little plot synop well I love
0: watching this movie at Valentine's Day because it kicks off in Chicago around Valentine's Day yes um Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon play two um, musicians a sax player and a um a bass player respectively and they uh, they start off by, by being musicians taking any job they can. And they are the absolute definition textbook uh, cads. They use women. They, you know, uh, pretty much just flirt to get what they need. Uh, mm-hmm. They got all these different women that they've borrowed money from. They're just the the, the definition of scumbag dudes. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Curtis, maybe more than Jack Lemon. Uh, truly uh, at the beginning of the film but uh, the two of them uh, all of a sudden the, the the tables turn because the two of them find that the, they, they have to uh, take drastic measures after essentially witnessing the valentine's day massacre uh, mm-hmm. and watching Spats Columbo uh, which is the Capone stand-in uh, mm-hmm. mow
1: down a bunch of people in a garage I was saying a bunch of mobsters, not just like random people. Not just well,
0: actually, <laughs> nah, kind of. I mean, like you get a lot of the garage attendants who may or may not be in the mob.
1: But yeah, 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 that's so true. But yeah, like, it was a mob hit. It was a mob it's a mob
0: hit. hit, and so they they see this mob hit, um, and they get noticed as having witnessed this. And so, knowing that Spats Colombo doesn't leave witnesses, they end up taking a job with an all women band meaning that they have to dress up as women uh, that will get them out of the city and down to sunny, you know, sunny Florida. And in doing so, they learn truly for the rest of the film what what it's been like to be on the receiving end of their antics uh, as men, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, Tony Curtis's character, uh, Joe, who goes by Josephine, uh, ends up falling head over heels for Marilyn Monroe, which, I mean, like, who wouldn't? Um, and, and sort of doing his own, like, I don't know. It's like a costume within a costume uh, to, to woo mm-hmm. her. Uh, while Jack lemon finds himself getting a lot of attention from a, an older millionaire played by Joe E Brown, um, who is now on, I believe this will be his fifth wife. <laughs> seventh, um, seventh or eighth. Seventh or eighth. Yeah. He yeah. He, he collects show girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a, a, Funny 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 movie. It's one of my favorites. And it also has this really deep meaning to it where you get two men who really learn how hard it is to be a woman in a man's world mm-hmm. um while also, you know, seeking sort of a little bit of redemption for themselves. But then you also get like, you know, the mob showing up. So,
1: yeah. The the gender politics in this movie are surprisingly progressive for the fact that it was made in 1959. Yes. Um, because I think like the first, you know, leg of the movie, when the two of them are traveling as women and they get to the resort or the hotel in Florida and they can't even walk five steps without getting ogled or hit on or, you know, bothered or whatever. And they're just trying to like go about their day and get in this hotel. So they really are, they get a crash course of what it's like to, as you said, be a woman in a man's world.
0: Mhm everything from the line of old millionaires sitting in rocking chairs on the porch watching these women walk in to the bellboy
1: mhm mhm and then they also you know sort of get a glimpse into the lives of how women are when men aren't around like yeah. when they don't have to sort of hold themselves back or you know pretend to be proper you know virtuous And this, oh, and this movie also, so this is sort of like a period piece. It takes place in the, in 1929 Mm -hmm. um, during prohibition. So alcohol is illegal,
0: Mm -hmm. but everyone has
1: it, but everyone has it. Um, (laughs) And it takes place too. there was like a funny joke in it. Um, I think like Tony Curtis is saying it's like to, Jack Lemon, like, why do you worry so much? What do you think, like, the stock market's gonna crash? And I think yes. it's like this takes place like six or seven months before, yeah, because the, the stock market crash, yeah, yeah, because I think the the stock market crashed in October of twenty nine, and this, mm-hmm. yeah, is February of twenty nine. So, yep. <laughs> funny, good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of good jokes in this movie. the The comedy is really great and really smart. It's not. It's like sarcastic quippy humor which i really appreciate
0: yeah there's not so much i mean there are there is some physical comedy um mm-hmm. there is going to be when you have two very straight men cross-dressing mm-hmm. um which is why it's so interesting because you've got um they both sort of take take it in their own strides so tony Curtis plays joe who goes by josephine and jack lemon plays jerry who originally is going to go by Geraldine, but decides at the last minute, he never liked that name. So he's going to go by Daphne.
1: Daphne. He's like, Daphne is my name. <laughs> love it. And,
0: and so like, I do love that they sir It's this beautiful trade-off of like, I think, I think it's Jerry's idea originally when they first hear that this band is looking for someone like, oh, that would be easy. We've worn grass skirts for things. We could definitely do this. And Joe is like, absolutely not. And then once the, mm-hmm. the, the massacre happens, Joe is like, we're gonna do this, and and Jerry's like, I, I don't know about this.
1: <laughs> Jack Lemon is so funny, like in this movie, he's doing a lot of physical comedy,
0: a lot, a yeah. lot.
1: Which Every time,
0: that a, a huge part of that, the reason that that Tony Curtis looks, they actually most people think that Tony Curtis comes off more feminine than Jack Lemon does in this movie, and mm-hmm. it's because he was so nervous. Tony Curtis was so nervous about playing a woman or a man pretending to be one that he couldn't relax in the part he could not (laughs) like let himself unwind and so it comes off as this very proper demure shy woman but Mm -hmm. really it's just tony curtis was scared shitless by playing this part and jack lemon was just like yeah let's do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) two things about tony curtis um I guess in general, but also Tony Curtis and Greg, he just has like the perfect pouty lip, like especially when he has lipstick on. Mm, mm-hmm. You can really notice it. And two, I don't know if this is just me, but I thought he looked a lot like how Patrick Swayze looked as Vita Bohem in yes. Tu Wong Fu. I was thinking that this t- last time I watched it too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: I don't know if that's like purposeful or like coincidence, you know, if Patrick Swayze based his performance on Tony Curtis or, you know, if, you know, it just shook out that way. But yeah, and I was they, definitely they thinking, that. Look,
0: you know, they, they don't really look similar as men. But yeah, I mean, it maybe it was a makeup choice because like if you watch Drag Race, you know, the same drag queen can do her makeup two different ways and look like a completely different woman. So maybe oh, it was yeah. something about the makeup that they did. And I even I like to think that Tony Curtis is not just doing drag as a woman in this movie, but also there's a drag element to his other disguise, because when he realizes that he likes sugar and he wants to seduce her, he starts mm-hmm. pretending he steals clothes from the band manager and pretends to be a, a millionaire who goes by Junior. Uh, yeah, and his, his hobbies include collecting shells because his whole family's done it. That's why they named the oil company after it. Um, and so like that is such a performance too and even Tony Tony Curtis was very clear afterward he was like that was me just taking the piss of Cary Grant I love that he was like this is my my impression of Cary Grant because it's ridiculous he Mm -hmm. talks weird no one talks like that except for Cary Grant and so that's the that's the reason he sounds the way he does so he's truly 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 got two kind of drag performances going on here
1: yeah, and he sort of assumes the millionaire um, identity alias because uh, Sugar confides in him as Josephine that she's she's through kind of like following her heart. She always gets in situations with she says specifically saxophone players. Which mm-hmm. oh, Joe's a saxophone player. What do you know? Mm-hmm. But um, she's like I always fall for these saxophone players. And I always get my heart broken and there's there's such bums and, you know, yada, yada, yada is basically describing how. Joe and Jerry live Mm
0: -hmm. as
1: men themselves, but she says, you know, you know what, from now on, I'm going after a millionaire, like basically describes the type of man that she's looking for. He owns a yacht. He wears glasses um, because what did she say that I was laughing at? Like. Men who wear glasses seem kind of weak and gentle and helpless. Yeah, and helpless. It's, it's yeah, because they've strained their eyes reading
0: all of those tiny words in the Wall Street Journal.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's sweet and gentle and helpless. She says, yes. which maybe which cracked me up. So he essentially like molds himself into that perfect man that she is looking for and that's sort of what catches her interest she's like here's my guy
0: exactly it's like it's kismet and she she continues confiding in joe and 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 jerry or as in uh josephine and daphne as this continues and they they sort of hold her hand through the situation um even Mm -hmm. though jerry is aware of what's going on and a couple of times tries to you know ruin it for everyone. yeah foil
1: his plan yeah Yeah, joe's plan well because he also is attracted to sugar
0: exactly yeah and that's one of my favorite scenes is when sugar goes to thank uh daphne because this all starts like they join the band and sugar's already in trouble for drinking Mm -hmm. and one more time and she's going to be kicked off the train and left to sit in the cold on top of her ukulele and I'm sorry i know the script of this movie so well <laughs> yeah
1: i'm ca- i'm catching it because i just watched the movie if if we had waited like two weeks to record this i'd be like wow she's very descriptive <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're poor ukulele <laughs> so, so sugar uh her flask falls out of her garter and we'll have to get to the costuming in a bit mm-hmm. um but her flask falls out of her garter and uh everyone thinks it's hers because it is and jerry and daphne comes to the rescue and says oh no sorry that's mine Yeah, I slipped out um and so later on uh sugar shows up in daphne's bunk on the train to come and say thank you and of course gets mm-hmm. stuck there because their chaperones are, are marching down the hall and um that is one of my favorite scenes is when Daphne gets stuck in the bunk while all of these other women in the band keep showing up and bringing more things to make cocktails and have a party.
1: Yeah, and like um like Jerry has become I okay, I said this yesterday to Kyle when we were talking about this movie. I was like Jerry almost seems to sort of switch characters between like the first like 15 minutes of the movie and then once they assume their female identities and get on the train. Like mm-hmm. to start with Jerry is like the very sensible one of the pair. Like we learned that um Joe is the like the gambler, he's irresponsible with money, he's irresponsible True, with yes. people's feelings and you know his friends' feelings on things. And Jerry's he, just
0: along for the ride. You're right. Yeah, so. he,
1: he's the one that's like always scheming or whatever. And then they get on the train as women, their lives depend on the fact that they're able to pass as women and stay on this train and play with this band. Jerry becomes almost like blindingly horny. (laughs) (laughs) Like he definitely wants to figure out how he can get laid. Mm -hmm. And he like is not considering the fact that if his plan to get laid succeeds, the jig is up. Mm hmm. And mm-hmm. so like part of, yeah, part of this whole scene of them sort of like having a slumber party in the train car is him sort of trying to like slapdash figure out a way that he can sort of sexually benefit from the scenario. But then like, as you said, people keep coming in and interrupting and he keeps trying to say like, no, no, this is a party of two. And, you know, mm-hmm. well, and, and like a big part of
0: that is that when they get on that train, they're like, you know what? we just have to get to florida we don't even have to play with the band we can just we can pitch and run when we get there and true. then there's a whole but like all of that changes really when joe meets sugar because all this it's his whole thing is like well we just have to be on there until you know until we're done and so i wonder mm-hmm. if part of it is that jerry's like well when we get down to florida true fashion comes off and like I know all these women um but in in this case of course they get down there and joe has caught feelings for sugar and then of course the mob shows up so they're back in the soup again
1: yeah I was like of all the places for them to go which thinking about it and thinking about you know the story of the real saint valentine's day massacre part of the um alibi for capone was that he was in his Home, or he was at his home in Florida during the time of the mm-hmm. hit. Um, well, and in this case, it's a gathering of what the like fans of opera, fans of Italian Yeah. <laughs> <opera>. yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this like fans of opera, like the way it is in, um... oh God, what was it? The Neil Gaiman chip? What was it called? Oh, well, there was the
0: serial convention,
1: remember? Yeah, exactly. And That's what, what I was in in Sandman yeah in Sandman that's exactly what I was thinking of um where they have the the serial convention but it's like a serial killers it's convention. serial killers yeah but that's their cover story is that it's just a
0: serial convention and then you get some um, of the true fan like the true crime fans that like show up
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I in this case, the the
0: fans of Italian opera is actually a front for Little Bonaparte Um, who is the head of the whole operation to knock off spats because spats let some, some witnesses run, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's perfect cinematic bubble that anything that can go wrong. Well, yes.
1: But the part of it, I really love too, is just like, so I think we said this, uh, Jerry, Jack lemon kind of gives up on his pursuit of sugar pretty quickly and trying to like foil Joe's plans because he sort of falls into a racket of his own where catches the eye of Osgood, not through any effort. (laughs) Osgood just sees him and decides, I want to pursue this lady, Daphne. And they have like such a funny scene where they're tango dancing. I was dying. (laughs) And Jack Lemon is just so into it, and I was like, I was like, oh, so this guy is basically like the Terry Crews of the movie, referring back to White Chicks, because <laughs> there's a lot of similar beats in White Chicks. I was like, this is definitely the precursor to White Chicks. Um, yeah, Daphne gets really into
0: it, um, to Daphne's surprise, and I think it's because Osgood truly, like, apart from just. You like you said, Osgood for no reason other than I think she's pretty, which again, that's what is so funny. It's anything in a skirt, right? Like mm-hmm. these are not these are not conventionally pretty women. Mm-hmm. They're not what you would like, think of a dress. they're not drag queens. They are just men doing their best. Yeah. They <laughs> put so, makeup and
1: a dress on,
0: and like, you know, fluffed out some beard.
1: boobs and yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like what you would think like a drag, you know, because like what we see in, in Tu Wong Fu, right? Mm-hmm. They're all gorgeous. They get attention. Same thing with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, right? Um, yeah. This, this is very much, they're just doing the bare minimum to get by and still men won't leave them alone. And so, yeah. So good apart from that, like for no parent, like you said, like, just uh, just sees Daphne. is like, that's the one. That's the one I want. Uh, and this is my next wife. <laughs> after that, like, he takes her to dinner. He's a little fresh sometimes in the elevator. He gets a little fresh. But he's not, yeah. like, he's not using Daphne for anything apart from just being very attracted to her and wanting to date her. So yeah. unlike Joe and Jerry, who have gone through all of the girls in the dance line, <laughs> mm-hmm. wooing them because they need to borrow money. This is, like, a completely different kind of of pursuit. Than and, what
1: they, and they want a little bit of sex, which I thought was, like, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, you can tell me, like, what your thoughts are on it. But I was, like, for, you know, a time period that was, like, and by the, the time period, I mean, you know, the late 50s when this was made. That was kind of, like, puritanical when it came to sex. There's a lot of implication of everyone having sex
0: well a big part is that it's taking place in the 20s right and they were called the roaring 20s not just because of the booze like right in the 20s it was a well-known time like women were wearing their shirts you know their skirts shorter they were wearing their nylons down like you see um the way that uh her garter um marilyn's mm-hmm. garter is just above her knee and that would be like unheard of even in the 50s that's not how women were wearing their garters Mm -hmm. um and so i think it is it's partially capitalizing on how sexually free the 20s were Mm -hmm. um but you're right in the 50s everything got very puritanical again and so having a movie like this come out granted it was late 50s but having a movie like this come out yeah it's it's a little
1: shocking when you think of the other films that were out at the time yeah i was i was surprised because like joe and jerry are definitely two like love them and leave them kind of guys Well, and Um, and also um, the costuming. (laughs) mm -hmm.
0: Like, let's talk about some of the dresses that Marilyn's put in. Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, and that's sort of like a double, like, you know, not only a period thing, but just the fact that Marilyn Monroe herself was sort of exploited for her sex appeal and her curves Mm -hmm. by Hollywood. And I believe she was pregnant when they were making this
0: movie, too.
1: Yeah, she was like she was either like maybe pregnant but she had also like suffered a miscarriage like mm. recently ish, like maybe within the right. last year yeah. or two. Cause she had taken a break from acting for like basically for mental health. Mm-hmm. And this was like her first movie. This was sort of supposed to be her comeback. And I think kind of ended up being her quote unquote last like good movie. You're debatable. Cause they're, they're, was
0: uh the misfits that came out after this which not a great movie but her performance in it i think is among her best performances yeah yeah that was that one came out after she died though um Mm -hmm. uh, she and clark gable both had died by the time that movie came
1: out well the unfortunate thing too about marilyn monroe is she wasn't like i said she was exploited for her looks. she wasn't really always appreciated for her acting chops i think Mm -hmm. I think Billy Wilder definitely like retrospectively recognized the talent that he had in working with Marilyn Monroe because they collabed a couple times, even though she was quote unquote famously difficult on set.
0: Yes, um, yeah, he he definitely. I've read a lot of stories about just how maddening it was to work with her on this movie mm-hmm. um, for him because there were things like when she goes in after Junior has told her he's shipping out um, mm-hmm. because. The mob is now here and Joe and Jerry are back on the run. Um, she goes in and miserably starts looking through a, a chest of drawers asking, where's the bourbon? And it took 40 takes for her to get that line right. So then what they ended up doing was writing the line and putting it inside every single drawer. So every time she opened a drawer, she saw the line she was supposed to see in hopes <laughs> that she would actually remember what she was supposed to say. What she was doing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wild. Now I I, I could go on a whole thing about Miss Marilyn Monroe because there's one story I love talking about about her and there's also a bullshit line from Tony Curtis that I would love to share with you as well. Mm -hmm. So after making, it wasn't just Billy Wilder who was tired of working with Marilyn on this movie. Uh, Tony Curtis was very loud after the movie came out about how it was miserable kissing her. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, I think that he said it was like kissing a dead fish. I'm like. Ugh, hmm. Rude. That can be an inside thought. You can keep that one on the you inside. You
0: can keep that inside. Right. You can keep yeah. that. You don't have to say that. I, I don't know if because remember uh, Jack, uh, he was married. I believe at this time he was married to Janet Lee, mm. who is gorgeous in her own right. And we yeah. have Jamie Lee Curtis. That's how we all know her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, who knows, maybe he was saying it to make his wife feel better. I don't know. Uh, watching that scene on the yacht, which this is this is happening simultaneously with Daphne dancing the tango with Osgood. <laughs> so good. That's how they got around the haze Code. They just flash back and forth real fast.
1: Yeah, because that's on the yacht. That's a sexy scene. That's a sexy, sexy scene.
0: Yeah. Partially because of the dress Marilyn's wearing, too.
1: Well, and that scene is funny to me. Another thing I was thinking about how the jokes in this movie, some of the jokes because of the way that we view gender and sexuality and blah, 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 like the jokes would sometimes be taken differently because like part of his act as junior is sort of like to pretend disinterest in sugar. So that way she tries harder to seduce him. Mm hmm. And like he talks about, he sort of tells this tale of like how he, he had a first love and like she died in an insane way and he's never been able to love again and he's (laughs) never been able, he's essentially like I've never been able to get a boner. She took off her glasses, I took off my glasses.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I took a step toward her and Marilyn knows where it's going. Like Sugar's like, oh no!
1: Yeah. And then she took a step off the, off the mountain side of the or whatever. Yeah. hmm hmm Oh, my gosh. But yeah, but he is essentially like, I can't get a boner from a woman. You know, nowadays, we'd be like, well, honey, you're gay. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, that's... But Marilyn is not laying that stand in her way. She is a persistent person.
1: Yeah. She is trying hard to seduce him. And it's, I mean, it's some good stuff. It's steamy. Mm-hmm hmm there's lots of champagne there's cold pheasant hmm yeah D- dim the lights put on the music she knows what to do
0: she knows what she's doing yeah yeah I I love I love that scene um <laughs> because you're right like I also love when she's kissing him and he's pretending like he doesn't feel anything but you see his leg like yeah his leg moving in the
1: background <laughs> yeah exactly um oh one thing i want to go back to i was going to say this when we were talking about like osgood and daphne and you know osgood just wants to date her and show her a good time and he buys her jewelry which gets stolen by joe to give to sugar which is so funny mm-hmm. but um to skip to like the very end and the closing lines of the film it's it's the best um they're driving away in back to osgood's yacht and you know osgood is like we're gonna get married and blah 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 and jerry is telling him all these reasons still dressed still dressed up as daphne mm-hmm. telling him all these reasons they can't get married she's like i smoke i this I that i can never have children and then finally <laughs> I I's love just like the way he says that too it's like weepy Finally, he just says "fuck it." He takes off his wig and, in his real voice, he goes, "I'm a man." And Osgood says, "Well, no one's perfect." Yes. And I was like, you know, nowadays I would think like, oh, maybe Osgood is like he was, you know, bisexual all along, or he's like, you know, what women aren't working out for me, I might as well try men. And he- no, it's it's just like sh- don't think about it, just laugh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's great. I lo- I was like that really that part even overshadows for me like the part that, uh, you know, just before where Joe and Sugar sort of profess their love for one another and, you know, fireworks and happy endings and stuff.
0: Yeah, which they do get a happy ending kind of sort mm-hmm. of because the stock market is going to crash in a few months. Sure. Uh, and Joe still has no money and is still on the run from the mob. But, you know, they, they have a happy ending again. Don't yeah. think too much. Just no. laugh.
1: Like exactly.
0: Well, and so it's it's funny when we I did a film class in high school and our teacher showed us this, and the film class was filled with just pretty much people. There were like three people like me who love movies, and the rest were just people who are looking for an easy credit. And so it was a lot of, of football players and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um I remember baroni announced he was gonna play this and i was excited because i loved the movie already i was like i've already seen this i can write the paper easily whatever Mm -hmm. and but then i started thinking i was like oh shit i'm watching this with a bunch of philistines who are not going to find it funny who are going to find it dumb and i remember we watched it and i don't remember really picking up on what they were, whether they were laughing during the movie but that final line well nobody's perfect." Everyone in the class just bust out laughing. <laughs> I love that. I was like, okay, maybe this is a safe space. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. maybe. But yeah, maybe. That, when that
0: final line is considered, I think it's on the list, it's like number 47 on the greatest lines, you know, greatest movie lines of all time list from AFI. Um, also, this movie is considered number one, the best comedy of all time by AFI, as determined in 2007. Okay. Um so uh, yeah, it's it's got lots of accolades and attention um, and it's always, you know, it, it's well worth it. I quote this movie a lot without people noticing. Like mm-hmm. I love wearing tight um, uh, nylons with the seam in the back. Yeah. And so whenever I do that, if I'm with someone, I will ask them, are my seams straight? <laughs>
1: You've and probably it, done that to me.
0: <laughs> I have definitely done that to you. And now, you know, it's because of, of sugar and i'm always waiting for someone to know what i'm talking about and say i'll say
1: you know what i was thinking about um because with that line and this is just how my brain works it made me go to robin hood men and tights mm, mm-hmm. and there's a part where the character of little john asks how are my seams and i'm like i wonder if that's in my reference, movie. maybe I don't know that might maybe be a, a deep stretch, cut, but I wouldn't put it
0: past uh mel Brooks, I wouldn't put it past Mel Brooks, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, um, yeah.
0: so there's that, and then I remember because I have shown this movie to mel- multiple people I've been dating at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I do remember one of them finding the line, uh, he does have a bicycle, absolutely <laughs> drop dead funny. <laughs> Um, and for me though, the other one that always comes to mind is uh how do they walk in these things? And they watch as sugar like is just barreling down the train track
1: in her high heels and they're like, it's like jello on springs. <laughs> I I I mean, when it comes to walking in heels, I'm right there with them. I can't mm-hmm. do it. It's almost mechanical, like yeah. jello on
0: springs. I I I say that all the time. I I tell myself that all the time when I'm wearing high heels and I'm walking.
1: (laughs) I'm Jell-O on springs. It's like Jell-O on springs. (laughs) Well, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up and spend some time on, and I was telling you about this before we started recording, is that I fell into a rabbit hole while doing Mm -hmm. a little bit of, you know, deep diving background research on the movie. And I learned about one of the reasons why jack lemon and tony curtis did such a great job portraying women and really getting the physicality down and you know walking in heels and stuff was because uh, they had a real drag queen consultant on the movie Uh, oh yeah a man named who is like a huge star I can't believe I've never heard of this person before, but now I have, and now I get to share it with all of you lovely listeners and you, Kate, and hopefully you learn about him and maybe dig into some more uh, of his story. But it's a man named Vander Clyde Broadway, or also known as Barbette. Okay. French. Yes. Um, Originally from Texas, though. Oh, okay. Which, which Texas. Yeah, I and I read this really great article um in it it actually came out almost a year ago, April 2023. It was in the Houston Chronicle. It was written by a guy named Joe Holly who I believe is a Pulitzer Prize winner mm-hmm. um yeah, he won a Pulitzer Prize in 2022 um as part of the Houston Chronicle editorial team. Um and I will say is like a more from his background that I read about a little bit, Joe Holly is, is that he is a more progressive guy. And this um article was entitled, Do anti-trans lawmakers know about Texas's cross-dressing trapeze legend? They should. Mm-hmm. Um so uh Vander Clyde Broadway, aka Barbette, was a was born in 1904 or Right before that, it's sort of like he lived during a time where it's like records aren't the best. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he was born, you know, early turn of the century and he was born in Austin and he essentially became a drag queen. Well, okay, he was really into like trapeze walking. Essentially, as a kid, he taught himself how to walk the trapeze by walking barefoot on his mother's clothesline. Mm. And he was really uh, interested in the circus. Like he got taken to the circus as a kid and he just like loved it. And he was like, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. I want to be an acrobat. And the fun thing was his parents, or at least his mother, was really supportive of that. He said he was going to run away from home and join the circus and become a wire walker. And she was like, okay, well, how about instead of running away right now, you finish high school? So he graduated high school. At 14 years old as valedictorian and then uh set out basically got a job and started you know saving money so that way he could run away and join the circus um, and also kept practicing his tightrope act so his sort of big break came not long after he finished high school he saw a help wanted ad for an aerialist and there was this Circus act called the ala Sisters. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but yeah, alafreda Sisters, one of the sisters had passed away. So the remaining sister was like, I need a new fake sister to keep my act going to keep my livelihood going. Mm-hmm. So he went, he auditioned. He got the job. and uh, his new partner, the 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 sister, the other Alfatta sister, said, Asked, would you mind dressing as a girl? Like she had all these reasons. Like, one, it was already part of the act and they were going to stay the Alpharetta sisters, even though he wasn't her sister, obviously. And two, she just she had this whole philosophy that all of the like aerials and acrobatics and typo walking just looked better when you're wearing women's clothes. And so she said, Would you mind dressing as a girl? And he said, I didn't. And that's how his drag career sort of started um and he sort of took the name barbette because he liked that it sounded french um and then in 1919 was when he struck out on his own and started performing on his own as like a trapeze daredevil did wire stunts did aerial stuff um and then uh one thing that he would do that was really famous that um jack lemon sort of like mimics was uh pulling off his wig so he would do like his Mm. whole act as like a woman and essentially trick people into thinking he was a woman and the prestige was like haha I'm actually a man in my research like I read that he was just like very a very gender fluid guy I didn't see any specific pronouns so I am saying he um just following along with uh when you're talking about it was probably a time where there was
0: not really a pronoun consideration yeah
1: yeah and like even like i'm sort of following along with the drag queen rule of like when you're out of drag it's he when you're in drag it's she um Mm -hmm. but yeah he had a huge career he was incredibly popular in paris he performed at like the moulin rouge um he was like Pablo Picasso, Man Ray, like they were all huge fans of his. Um, He did tour with like Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, you know, consulted with them. His career ended not on an amazing. There's like a little bit of legend behind it. No one knows exactly what happened. He might have gotten injured. He might have also had polio. So he went, so his career ended, he went back to Texas. He lived the rest of his life with like horrible chronic pain. Um, But that's like when he became a choreographer and a consultant on like Broadway and also in Hollywood. So like some like it hot, he worked on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of the sad thing from what I could gather. So he OD'd, um, he had a drug overdose. He OD'd and, I don't see for sure if it was sort of like I've seen there's a quote from his nephew in this Houston Chronicle article where his nephew said that he was asking to be overdosed because Mm -hmm. he didn't want to live anymore because his pain was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of how his life ended, but yeah, like huge star, like amazing Mm -hmm. artist. Um, and yeah, so uh, Vander Clyde Broadway definitely Google his name, look him up, read more about him because like it's just really really cool, and he's like absolutely gorgeous.
0: Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually looking it up right now.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, he was he was the reason that you know Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis were so good at playing women was because they had this professional uh well and I even like the fact that like the story
0: of I really want to do trapeze and the only way I can do it is by dressing up as a woman like kind of mirrors a little bit mm-hmm. you know sound like it hot where it's like we need to get out of this town and we're musicians so we have to dress up as women
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah, I'll probably I'll probably text you and maybe try to include this online, the mm-hmm. link to the Houston Chronicle article, because it's pretty short. And yeah, yeah, yeah please do good information, a good overview of his life. But I was like, man, I got to see if like anybody wrote any books about him or anything like that, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really very, very cool to learn about him. Yeah, I
0: love those like stories you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Things, you know, that that come up. Yeah. Um, so this is a good place for me to bring in my Marilyn Monroe story. Um, yeah. Because you're right. She was discounted uh, throughout her entire life as someone who was pretty mm-hmm. and dumb. It was and like, you couldn't be both. You could only be one. And so she was going to be pretty and clearly not much going up. And then even in some like it hot, she even says it has lines. They're like, see, not very bright. Yeah. I don't have any brain. Yeah. Um, but it comes off as, as charming and you're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, she's kind of a dumb character
1: in this. Marilyn yeah, it's just a little self-deprecating A little self-deprecating,
0: you know? And and truly, yeah, like she's a, a woman who keeps doing the same thing over and over again and hoping it will fix. We're mm-hmm. all dumb when it comes to dating sometimes. Um, oh, yes. Yes, 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 we are. <laughs> you know? So it's it's not even like, oh, gosh, she's an idiot. It's like, no, she just, she has the same obliviousness sometimes that a lot of people do Mm -hmm. so actually marilyn um sings in this movie as well she sings two amazing songs um i'm through with love is the one she sings in the end and then she also does i want to be loved by you i think she she does the one on the train too and i don't oh um feeling wild i think it's called yeah something like that in this movie and like you mentioned like she went away for a while and she came back she did that a couple of times in her career because at the beginning of her career she was always being put into these roles of playing the dumb blonde and that was what she was finding herself being pigeonholed into Mm -hmm. um so so she she actually came back a couple of times in her career so at one point she figured out that her best shot at having the career she wanted was to become a triple threat and she could already, you know, she was already pretty. Um, Mm -hmm. She was taking acting classes. So when I talk about the misfits, that was a really uncharacteristic movie for her that she was really showing off how much she had learned going to acting lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, She wasn't, she like a Lee Strasberg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she t- took acting lessons, but she also knew that if she really wanted to be that triple threat in Hollywood. She would have to learn how to sing. And she had a vocal co- coach and the vocal coach, you know, sat with her and said, okay, I need you to go to a record store and I want you to buy albums by the singer. And he wrote down the name and the name was Ella Fitzgerald. So she goes to the record store, she buys Ella Fitzgerald's records, she takes them home, she listens, she's like, oh my god, who is this woman? I need to see her perform live, like, ASAP. Here's the thing, Ella Fitzgerald is the 50s, right? Early 50s, I think, at this point. Ella Fitzgerald is a large black woman. Right. The Macombo, which is, like, the hottest club in in LA, uh, does not want her performing there. Because it wasn't that she was Black, because they had had people, I believe, uh, Lena Horne had performed there, who was Black, but lighter skinned, Black, and thin, and Eurocentrically pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't want Ella to perform. So Marilyn goes in and says, I want to see Ella. Can you get Ella? And they said no. And she said, if you get Ella Fitzgerald, I will sit in the front row. Every night she sings, and you can have the photographers take as many photos of me as you want mm-hmm. And that was too good to be true <laughs> um, <laughs> because she was like the sex icon and people like the photographers it was the paparazzi, right They were. They were just itching to get photos of Marilyn. So yeah. she ends up showing up. I believe the first night she brings with her Cary Grant. Another night she brings, I think Frank Sinatra came with her on one of them. She brings like Hollywood and, and fame royalty with her every mm-hmm. single night. And she is singing at that front table every single night. So because Ella is now singing, she go, you know, gets to meet her. And I guess the two of them became really tight friends because they both came from situations where they had been either in abusive relationships or abusive families. Um, Mm -hmm. They had seen, you know, what fame was doing to them. Um, Marilyn at that point, a little more than Ella. Ella was very famous in the black clubs, but hadn't really broken through to white mainstream yet. And so they, they stayed really good friends until of course, Marilyn's drug issues sort of started catching up. And Ella didn't want any part of that. Ella didn't drink. She didn't do drugs. And so um they had this this really nice friendship and a lot of it's and a lot of the reasons that we we get ella fitzgerald uh in our our rotation on spotify and and at the holidays and all of that is because Marilyn was like hey you know what i really wanted to sing and so this is what i'm gonna do you you know i'm gonna put myself on the line um and you're gonna have her perform and so from there on ella's career just skyrocketed because everyone at the club was like oh shit who's this person mm-hmm and marilyn you know had her photo taken a whole bunch uh poor woman but <laughs> like it's just like that like oh like what a lovely story of allyship and using your privilege where you can
1: yeah i was going to say talk about using your privilege mhm that's yeah that's awesome well any other final thoughts on some like it hot before we close out oh
0: god so many um, always i but i do love
1: it's it's
0: just such a fun movie i'm really excited i'm gonna be showing it to someone for the first time i think in the next couple of weeks we're gonna watch it um he's always wanted to see it and i've never gotten to show it to him yet so um he's like oh i've always wanted to see this and i've never seen it so let's definitely watch it so i'm very excited to to introduce it to someone new this is this is the month of introducing this movie to people
1: Yeah, and now I've seen it and, and now you've seen it. And it's I'm great. Just, I love that you texted me. You're like, wow, Jory, J- like, I
0: didn't figure Jack Lemon was gonna be the horn dog in this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, just keep waiting.
1: Just keep waiting. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well, um, if you have anything you would like to say about some Like It Hot, you can come over and say it to us on Instagram or threads. We are at SP Cinema Club. Um, and pl- please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It helps other people know we're cool and helps them find us. Um, also, if you haven't subscribed or followed yet, please do that. And I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. We hope you have a
0: lovely Valentine's Day, lovely Valentine's Day, whichever or neither or both that you're celebrating. Um, And we will be back uh, next week with another
1: episode. And I hope your Super Bowl team won. Whoever that was. And if it didn't, if they didn't, I'm sorry. And if you felt like there was too much Taylor Swift on the Super Bowl, um, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Ouch. I mean it. (laughs) But I don't think anyone who listens to this would feel that way. But anyways, all right, we will see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.